Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's Parsha's Bullock, a very, very uh, exciting Parsha. Um, essentially, Parsha's Bullock is just one story. It's the story, an anti-Semitic story of Bullock, the king of Moyov, trying to get Bilam from Midian, who was a non-Jewish prophet to curse and destroy the Jewish people. Um, so the storyline, I'll just do an overview quickly. The storyline essentially goes um, the storyline basically is that Bullock is afraid of the Jewish people. Bullock commissions Bilam to come and curse the Jewish people. Bilam says he can't, he's in the hands of Hashem. Eventually he really wants to go, so Hashem lets him go, because the Gemara tells us that a person, Hashem leads a person in the way they want to go. But he tells him, you have to, tell, you have to do what I tell you to do. Uh, Bilam has a very exciting journey to Bayov. He, he gets stopped by the Malach and the donkey and the whole story. Ends up, of course, coming to Bullock, and he ends up blessing the Jewish people instead of cursing them. And then towards the end of the Parsha, Bilam says to Bullock, the only advice I can give you is to uh, entice the Jewish people into sin. So they released the daughters of Moab, who enticed many of the Jewish young men to either serve Avodah Zorah or do both, serve an idol, and also commit immorality. And that, and that, that did have an effect. There was a plague. And so we have the story of Pinchas. Pinchas killed the leader of Shimon, Zimri, and Cosby, and then the plague stopped. Okay. So... Let's just learn a few of the psukim. What I'm going to do in the Zoom over here, I'm just going to share a document so you can... I'll share the screen so you know what I'm doing. Give me one second there. There we are. Okay. So there's number one. So the passage says, Vayar Bolok ben Sipar, Eskul Asher Osso Yisrael Lo'emoyri. So Balak ben Sipar, who was the king of Moab, he saw everything that the Jewish people had done to the Amorites. The simple pshat of this is that what had just happened was there was a war, two wars actually. There was a war against Oig, the king of Bashan, Sichon, Melech Do you have the right paper? Yeah. No, not that one? Should be. Number one on top. Right? Oh, yeah, sorry, no, wrong one. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, I see what's happening, okay. I gave you the... Sorry, it should be double-sided. Um, so, Bolag ben Sipar, uh, there were two wars that the Jewish people had fought as they entered the land of Israel. They had fought against two big nations, Moab and, 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 and Moiri. They had won both wars. And Bolag saw this is really a powerful nation. They're, they're going to conquer everything. Therefore, says the Pasuk, the next Pasuk, number one, by Yogar Moyov Mipnei Ha'om Ki Ravu. Moyov was alarmed because the people were so numerous. By Yokots Moyov Israel, and Moyov dreaded the Jewish people. So what happened? By Yomer Moyov, let's look at the next Pasuk. By Yomer Moyov El Midyan. Moyov says to the elders of Midyan, this is a terrible thing. Ato Yelachachu Hakol. This congregation, referring to the Jewish people, are going to lick clean 
Everything that's about us. Just like an ox licks up the grass of the field. And then the Pasuk says, Ubalak ben Sipra, Melech Lamoyah ben Sipra happened to be the king of Moyah at that time. So that's, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the beginning of the story, and that's when Balak commissions, sends messengers to Bilam to come and curse the Jewish people. Now, let's go through a couple of things. First of all, why was Balak so afraid of the Jewish people? What was behind? I know he saw the wars, saw they were strong. What was really um, bothering him? What was really scaring him? I'll just share with you an interesting shalot. The shalot HaKadosh says that Balak was a chacham gadol. Balak was very wise. And he understood that the ultimate strength of the Jewish people is going to be the coming of Mashiach, as the shalot says. Which he knew that the coming of Mashiach has to do with him. Which was actually true. Because what happened was, Balak was the king of Moyav. David HaMelech comes from Rus, who is from Moyav, right? Rus is a Moabite. So therefore, Balak is really scared. He sees that he is going to give rise to the, to the Jewish people's strength. And he knows that'll be the ultimate strength. That'll be, he'll be d- destroyed forever. So what is he going to do? So therefore, he commissions Bilam to come and curse the Jewish people. Which actually explains another little interesting concept. And that is that the name of this week's Pasha is actually a strange name. It's a Pasha's Bullock, right? We call the Pasha Bullock. We don't normally often do this. Why do we call a Pasha? The only two times we call the Pasha of, after a wicked person. Bullock was an anti Semite, right? Another time we do this is a few weeks ago. We call a Pasha by the name of Koirach, and there's a separate explanation for that. But, but this Pasha we call Bullock. So why do we do that? Why do we call the whole Pasha by the name of an anti Semite? The name of the Pasha, right? And one of the answers is because since this Pasha, as we'll see later in the prophecy of Bilam, actually has a lot to do with the end of time. It has a lot to do with the ultimate completion of the Jewish people. It has the ultimate to do with the, with the, with the coming of Mashiach. Right? So therefore, this scares Balak. But the coming of Mashiach, the Shalom explains, and the Farshim explain, also has to do with the ultimate transformation of evil. That's why the Pasha is called Balak. Because actually Mashiach comes, even the Balak aspect of the world will be transformed into Kedusha, into holiness, which is why we call the Pasha name Balak, because the, the essence of the Pasha actually is the fear of Balak about the coming of Mashiach. And that explains why later on in the Pasha, which we'll go through a little bit later, why Bilam actually prophesizes his last, besides the blessings that he gives to the Jewish people, at the end he turns to Balak and he says, listen, let me tell you what's going to happen at the end of time. I'm going to tell you about the coming of Mashiach, and that's, in other words, you're nothing, you, you can't do anything. This is, this is what's going to happen. It's, 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 there's going to be the coming of Mashiach, and it's, that's going to be the destiny of the Jewish people. Okay. So that's just a little interesting, interesting concept. Now, the Moir of Shamish, I'm going to share with you a very interesting Moir of Shamish. The Moir of Shamish, um, one of the Hasidic masters, I forgot which he was, uh, his name was Rav Kloinimus Kalman Epstein. He has a very interesting piece on, on the beginning of this parasha, which we just learned. Again, let's have a look at that first part, number one, where he says that Balak saw everything that had done to the, that the Jewish people had done to the Emoiri. So he asks a very interesting question. Why does Balak single out Emoiri? I just told you that before the Yidden went into Eretzal, they fought two wars. One was again, Sichoin Melech Emoiri, Sichoin, this last week's parasha, Sichoin, the king of Emoiri. And the other one was, Oig Melech right? Two great giants, two big, very, very strong, fortified 
uh, cities and, and kingdoms. Right? And in fact, the Oig Melech Haboshan was much more dangerous. In fact, the Medrash tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu himself was scared about that war against Oig Melech Haboshan to the point that Kaddish Baruch Hu had to ask, had to tell him, no, don't worry, it'll be okay. Right? So how come it doesn't say in the beginning of the Parsha, if Bolak was scared and he saw how, how powerful the Jewish people was, were, why doesn't, he, why doesn't the Pasuk say that Bolak saw what the Jewish people did to Boshan, to Oig Melech Haboshan? Why, why Sichar Melech Hamori? Why particularly that nation? One question. Second question is, he asks, again, just let's have a look at this, at this, this last one, this, this Pasuk of here, the one, last one, number one, where he says to the elders of Midian, this, this call, this congregation is going to lick us clean like an ox licks the field clean, right? Why does it refer to the Jewish people suddenly as a kohol, a congregation? It's a strange way. We never find that reference to the Jewish people. You see, he should have said, Now the B'nai Yisrael are going to lick us clean. What's this congregation are going to lick us clean um, like the ox licks clean the, the field. Why does he use that term? Why does he use that expression? And explains a fascinating concept. He says like this. We know the greatest power that the Jewish people have is the power of unity, the power of achtos. Right? We're not always so good at it, but the, but, but, but the power of achtos is the most, the most powerful thing. We have the famous saying that we say every day in Shemona Esher. He doesn't bring this down, but it's a famous idea. Where at the end of the Amidah, every single day, we say, Borcheinu avinu kulonu ke'echad. Hashem bless us all as one. Which literally means, bless us all together. But with the first time explained, it means like this. Borcheinu avinu, when does avinu bless us? When does our Father bless us? When kulonu ke'echad, when we're all like one. Right? So Balak knew this. Now, he looks at the Jewish people. Where, where does this take place historically? Historically, this takes place, this story, just before they go into Eretz Yisrael. At this point, the Yidin are f- finished with the Egel Azov, they're finished with the Meraglim, they're finished with Kairach. They're actually, and, and, and basically everyone that was not going to go into Israel was actually died out, and therefore there were a new generation standing ready to go into Eretz Yisrael. This was probably the second most powerful moment during their time in the desert, says the Moira Shamash, where they all stood together in absolute unity respect, unity, all as one, ready for a common mission to go into Eretz Yisrael. The last time that happened probably at that level was just before Matan Torah, where the Torah tells us that the Jews arrived in Har Sinai and they were all united with the focus to receive the Torah. And it says, and the Jewish people camped there like one person, like one heart, right? So Balak is very, very scared. And he says, this is a big problem. Because the Jewish, when the Jewish people are united, they have tremendous, tremendous power. And therefore, I'm very vulnerable. So what does he do? He tries to create unity as well. Because we know, the Chazal tell us, that Bolak sent, he was the king of Moyov, and he sent a message to Midian. Bilam, Bilam was in Midian. Now we also know that Moyov and Midian were rivals. Moyov and Midian hated each other. Right? Chazal tell us sometimes what happens is two enemies for the common, for a third common enemy, they unite. So Moyav and Midian unite in order to attack the Jewish people. Right? So they're a common enemy, a common, they're both anti Semitic. Okay. 
That's a simple pshat. Says the Rebbe Shamish, now what happened was like this. Bolak saw the unity of the Jewish people at that point. So he decides he's going to create unity. Not knowing, of course, there's not the unity. Because unity is two things. This is a big mistake people often make. Unity is not being together. That's, that's one form of unity. That's one part of unity. Unity means, what's the power of unity? The power of unity means being together for a common godly cause. Right? So the power of unity that the Jewish people have is only because we stand together ready to serve HaKadosh Baruch as the Eden were, over here ready to go into Eretz Yisrael and to do what Hashem wanted, right? Moyov and Midian making friends to, in order to fight the Jewish people is not going to create unity. But nevertheless, that was Bollock's mistake. So the whole thing centered around this concept of seeing the Jewish unity and being afraid of the power of the Jewish unity. So he says, now you can understand all, all these two, these two psukim. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. It says, Vayar Bollock, Bollock saw what the Jewish people did, Emoiri. He says, not talking about the nation of the Emorites. The word Emoiri, the, 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 the term Emoiri is a term we find later on in Dvarim, which is a term of love and connection. Later on in Dvarim it says, the same word in a different way, it says, Hashem Ha'emarto, Hashem Ha'emircho. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people, you have connected and loved Hashem, and Hashem is connected and love you. Same word, Ha'emarto. So this is the pshat of the pasuk. He's not talking about the wars the Jewish people fought. That's not what he's, that's, that's, that's not what he's afraid of. He's, he's afraid of their unity. He says, Vayar Bolok ben Sipor. Bolok ben Sipor saw, have a look at that first pasuk. Everything the Jews had done, what have they done? Lo emoiri, they had become connected. They become united. And therefore they have tremendous power from which he was afraid of. Which also explains, says the, says the, says the Mar Shamesh. That, pasuk, that last Pasuk number one, Moyov says to Midian, the Kohol is going to lick us clean. Not the Jews are going to lick us clean. The Kohol. What's the translation of a Kohol? A congregation at Sibur. He says, I'm very afraid. He sends, a pshat, he sends a message to Bilam. I'm very afraid these people have suddenly become a Kohol. They've suddenly become a nation together. A united nation. A nation which stands together, ready to serve Hashem, ready to go into Eretz Yisrael. So now I'm very worried with them because Yilachachu HaKol, they're going to lick us clean. Why? Because they are a Kohol, because they are a united congregation. And therefore, I'm very, very afraid. And that's why it says Amoiri. And that's why it says Kohol. Because he was worried about the unity and the power behind the unity. Now, that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of the Parsha. So what happens is, he engages Bilam to go and destroy the, 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 the Jewish people. Right? Now we learn that Bilam, although he was a prophet, Bilam was a strange fellow. Bilam, Bilam was not a very good person. But nevertheless, Hashem had made him into a prophet. That never happens in the Jewish people. The Jewish people, as Ramam says, you have to be a very, very big tzaddik and a person who's very uh, de- detached from the mundane, and a person who's very spiritual, and so on and so forth, to become a novi, to become a prophet. But Bilam was a prophet nonetheless, it was a gift to the nations of the world. Because the Gemara tells us that the nations of the world would have complained that we had Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore how can you expect them to serve Hashem properly? They don't have a prophet. So Hashem gave him a prophet, Bilam. Okay. And Bilam had a very great and deep degree of prophecy, Chazal tell us. However, Bilam's problem was, although he was in the hands of Hashem, and he couldn't really do anything, and Hashem didn't want him to do, but he was a big anti-Semite. How do we know that? First of all, we know that by a conversation he has with Hashem. Let's have a look at number two in the in the in the handout. Right. There we are. By Yovah Elokim. Yeah. By Yovah Elokim El Bilam. Hashem comes to Bilam 
because after the people of Midian come to, people of Moyah, sorry, come to Bilam. Hashem comes to Bilam in a dream and he says, Who are these people? Who are these people of your house? Bilam Bilam says, these were sent to me by the Bolak, the king of Moab. And what was the message that came with these people? It says, There's people who came out of Egypt, they're covering the whole landscape. And Bolak asked me, says Bilam to God, Come and curse them for me, because maybe I can fight with them then and conquer them. So Bilam says that Balak asked him, I've, bo- I've bolded this little expression here, you see that? Kovali, Kovali, come cursing. Now actually that's not the message that Balak sent. If you look before, which I didn't copy, Balak, when he sends a message to Bilam, he said, L'cho orali. Orali and Kovali are both expressions of curse. But as Mepharshim explained, Kovali is a much stronger curse. It's a much more lethal curse, right? So Bullock says to me, come curse the people, you know. Bilam says to Hashem that, that Bullock sent me a message, come and, come and really curse them. Why? Because Bilam was eager to do that because he was a bigger anti-Semite than Bullock was. That's number one. Number two, as it's pointed out, there's a medrash, if you see number three there, right? Where Omar Abhiya Rabbiya says, Omar Rab Simon, we know Gimel that Bilam was actually a known guy. He was he was around for a long time. He was already in Mitzrayim. He was one of the advisors of Paroi. So there's a famous medrash that when Paroi wanted to enslave the Jewish people, he called together three people: Bilam, Yisroi, and Eov. Okay, Eov, the fame from the famous book of Job. Although we're not quite sure exactly where Eov lived, but that's what this medrash says, right? So so what so what happened? Bilam, he asked them an Eitzah. Bilam said, persecute them. Enslave them. And that's why he was killed eventually. Eoiv kept quiet. But he was also punished. He was punished for suffering. Yisroi ran away from, from Pareh. That's why he merited to become Jewish and some of his grandchildren actually sat in the Sanhedrin later on when the Beis Hamidosh was built. Right? So therefore, Bilam was an old an old anti-Semite, he was very eager to do the bidding of Bilam. Right? The thing is, he didn't want to actually initiate it, right? But as the Meshilach points out, he was waiting eagerly for it to happen. Now, I want, I want to share with you a, a much longer concept, but I'm going to just share with you one idea before we get into the end of the Parsha. It says, eventually Hashem let Bilam go, but it says in the passage, which I forgot to copy, it says, Vayichar af Eloikim ki Hashem was very angry that Bilam was going with the officers of Balak. So it says the word Hashem was angry. Right? Why was he angry? Ki because he was going. He was going with them. So a very beautiful idea is brought down in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Emden, the Yaivetz, famous. And it's brought down, he brings down what he heard from his father, the famous Chacham Tzvi. These are two great uh, halachic authorities and great uh, sages. Right? He says, what does it mean that Hashem was angry? It creates a problem. Why does it create a problem? Because 
There's a, a Gemari in Brachas that says that Hashem says to the Jewish people, you should understand the kindness that I did to you during the time of Bilam. What was the kindness? And, and I'm going to connect it with a word that I've told you before, but, uh, but uh, that's a beautiful idea. It says like this. It says, it says in the Gemari that every day there's a fleeting moment where Hashem becomes angry. A moment of anger. A moment of severity, of harshness. And Bilam, who was very in tune with these things, Bilam actually, no one really can work it out because it's a very dangerous moment. Right? That's a very vulnerable moment. But Bilam actually had the power to work out exactly the moment that Hashem was angry. Had that happened, and Bilam would have worked out exactly the moment that Hashem was angry, and he would have cursed the Jewish people at that moment, it would have had a terrible effect. Right? So Hashem says, I actually did you an amazing favor that during that time, the period of the Bilam story, there was no anger. There was no anger. Now, I'll just point out to you an interesting thing that I once heard from the Stropka Rebbe. A beautiful idea. Um, if you look at number four, you'll see it there. See the word Melech and Kalem, right? So, he said like this, there's a Toysavis on that Gemara, right? The, the Toysavis is a very interesting thing. Just one second, sorry. Okay. Toysavis says, what does it mean that there's one moment? And if Bilam would have figured it out, he would have been able to curse the Jewish people in that moment. What exactly was he going to say in that one moment? Right? Curses are elaborate. What was he going to say? How was he going to curse the Jewish people in that one moment? So Toysavis gives two answers. One is that it wasn't necessary for him to have to curse the Jewish people in that moment. All he needed to do was to start in that moment. If he would start at that moment, even if he would continue on after the anger had gone away, it would still be very effective and destructive for the Jewish people. That's one answer. The second answer Toysavis gives is that the one, he would have said one word. The one word that Bilam would have said had he been able to work out the moment of anger of Hashem, had the anger been prevailing during that time, he would have said one word, the word is kalem. Kalem means finish them off. Right? So I heard from the Shropik of Rebbe once, a beautiful idea, he says, what's the significance of the word kalem? There are many, if you want to look for one word that are, that are curse words, I mean, destructive words, words of, of, of punishment, there's many words. Why specifically the word kalem? He said a very beautiful thing. If you look at the word kalem, you can look at it at, at number four, at the bottom of the page there, that kalem is the same letters as melech. You realize? Mem, lamed, chof. Kalem is melech, the opposite way around. Kof, lamed, mem. Right? What's the significance? Even if melech is like this, how does a person serve Hashem? What's the sign of a healthy person? How's a person a constructive and effective person? If he's a melech, if we're a melech, we control ourselves. What does it mean to be a melech? So melech is an acronym. Melech is moyach, lev, koved. You see it there, I've written it down. Moyach means the intellect, the brain. Lev is the heart. Koved is the liver. Alpi kabola. Moyach is the seat of intellect. Lev, the heart, is the seat of emotion. And the liver represents action. So the way a healthy person operates, especially if we so in, in the context of serving Hashem, now first, we have to make decisions that are, that are good decisions. We have to lead our lives by our head. We have to let our head guide what we do, right? Moyach shalit alalev, the brain controls the heart. So therefore, the moyach has to set the tone. The moyach, the brain then has to steer and channel and create, reveal 
the correct emotions. So, for example, if we think about Hashem properly, then we, as the Rambam says, we, we, we reveal and we reveal within ourselves the love of Hashem, the fear of Hashem, and we steer away from other loves and other things that we shouldn't be attracted to and so on and so forth. And then when we have good emotions and, we, and the emotions are directed into, into being excited and passionate about serving Hashem and doing Hashem's mitzvahs and acting in the proper way, then we have COVID and we have the liver, we, we behave in the proper way, right? Sometimes, however, people work the other way around. They impulsively do once they step, step into and jump into the negative behavior pattern, then they have to get excited about it, then they rationalize it, so it works the other way around. And that's, of course, a destructive person. So, so he said, that that's the pshat, that if, if Bilal was able to tap into the one moment of anger that Hashem would have every day, he would say one word. One word would be kalem. Finish them off. Let them not be able to work as a melech. Let them not be able to control themselves by the brain steering the heart and the heart inspiring behavior. It would just be the other way around. Therefore, they wouldn't be in control of themselves and they would end up not serving Hashem, which would make them vulnerable, of course, to Hashem's punishments. Right? Anyways, that's what happened at the end. Hashem took away the moment of anger. So therefore, it didn't exist during that time. Says Rabbi Yaakov Emden in the name of the Chacham Tzvi, he says, what do you mean Hashem took away the anger? The Pasuk says that when Bilam left with the officers of Balak, Hashem was angry. So there was anger. She says, no, Pshat's like this. That anger didn't matter. Why? Because he reads the Pasuk a bit differently. He says, Hashem was angry. Why was Hashem able to get angry? Because Bilam was traveling. When you travel, there's no focus. That, that kind of focus Bilam didn't have. While he was traveling to be able to work out the anger and be able to use it out as a moment to curse the Jewish people, he didn't have that, that ability. Which goes into a whole sugi, a whole section of the Gemara about davening when you're traveling, that really when your person travels, they don't have to daven because it's impossible to have kavana. I mean, we do daven today, but it's possible to proper focus. The person is distracted when they're en route, when they... When, they, when they're traveling. And therefore, that's the Peshat of the Pasuk. Hashem was angry. You know why? Not just because he was going with officers, but he was able to get angry because he was traveling and therefore the, the, the distraction wouldn't allow Bilam to utilize the moment of anger. But once Bilam arrived by Bolak and he was settled down, Hashem removed the anger from the world even for a fleeting moment because Bilam was able, would, would be able to focus on it and then use that one word to destroy the Jewish people and Hashem removed that. And that was the kindness that Hashem did for the Jewish people. Okay. Now, when Bilam arrives at Balak, right, he tells Balak to prepare for him sacrifices and build a Mizbeach. He does all kinds of things, trying to get Hashem's favor. Then goes off to see if Hashem will reveal himself to him. Hashem does. And this happens two or three times where Hashem says, okay, go back. And whatever I'm going to put into your mouth, that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to say. Bilam comes back, and at the end what happens is, he opens up his mouth, and out come the brachas. Beautiful brachas. Some of the most beautiful words, by the way, about the Jewish people, about Am Yisrael, are in Bilam's words. Matoivu olecha Yaakov, mishkanasecha Yisrael, haguri yotens Yaakov, ashurenu ato. He talks about the Ovois, the patriarchs, the matriarchs. He says, I see where the Jewish people come from. He talks about that we're a nation that stand alone, stand alone both in the sense of being isolated, but also in the sense of being unique and strong. Beautiful words. The, the brachas of Bilam are actually very poetic and absolutely beautiful. It's the words of Hashem that he put into the mouth of Bilam. Okay. 
But then at the end, and Bolak, of course, is, fu- is furious and, and, and keeps on trying to tell him to go to a different spot, maybe, maybe be able to, to, to curse. Anyway, it doesn't work, nothing works. At the end, right, at the end, the last time that Bilam speaks, he doesn't go anywhere. He says, I don't need to go anywhere anymore. Obviously, this is not working. And he looks around and he starts to prophesy prophesies about the coming of Mashiach. And he says to Bilam, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what this nation is going to do to your nation, the Acharis Hayomim at the end of time. Now, I want to, I'm going to, Let me just move the screen here. Okay. That's number five. If you turn over, you turn over. Sorry, if you don't have it, yeah, take the one. It should be number five, you should have it, yeah. So, I'm going to learn with you this psukhi, and then I'm going to explain to you how the Rambam quotes them. Let's learn the psukhi, and I'll explain to you what the connection to what he's saying. He says like this. Er enu, you have a number five? It's a beautiful word, the Bilam says. Er enu veloi ato. What I see for them, but I don't see it now. Ashurenu v'loi korev. What I behold for them, I don't see it soon, but I do see it. What do I see? Says Bilam. Dorach koichov mi Yaakov. I see a star that's rising from Yaakov. Kom shevet mi Yisrael. And I see a scepter, a ruling stick coming out from Yisrael. What's that stick? What's that rulership going to do? What's that star going to do? Right? Umochatz paase moyov. It's going. It smashes the brow of moyov, meaning the sides of moyov. It's going to fight against moyov and damage it. And the karkar kol chase. The English says yeah, and dig into or control, rule over all the children of chase, which are. Essentially means the entire world. Then he says, V'hoyo Edom Yeresha, Edom, which means Esau will become a possession. V'hoyo Yeresha, Seir, Oiver, Vishrola, Sechoyel, Yid will fight against Seir, and so on and so forth. And it goes like that. And, and, it, and it just continues on in that way. Now, go to number six, and let's have a look what the Rambam says, how the Rambam quotes these Pesukim. Okay. So I'm going to learn through this, this piece of the Rambam. It's the Rambam at the very end of the Rambam. Now let me just give you a context here. The very end of the Rambam, we know the Rambam is divided into different sections of, of halachas. And the very last section of the Rambam is Hilchas Melochim Umulcham Oiseyem. It's the laws of the kings and their wars. Right? And the very last two chapters is about Mashiach. And one of the things the Rambam says is as follows. Let's, let's, let's have a look at it. It's, it's the first halacha the Rambam brings there. He says like this. He talks about the whole concept of Mashiach and why it's a foundation in Jewish belief and, and so on. He says like this. HaMelech HaMashiach, says the Rambam, the King Mashiach, Osid La'amoid, he's going to come. He's going to bring back the Davidic sovereignty, right? The, the Davidic dynasty to its original state, to its original sovereignty. What else is he going to do? Ubayna Hamikdosh is going to build the base Hamikdosh from a Kabbas Nidcha Yisrael. And he's going to gather the, the lost people from the Jewish people. 
and all the laws of the Jewish people is going to return just as it was in olden times. Makrivin karbonos, we're going to bring sacrifices. Oisin shmitin v'yovlos, and we're going to keep the laws of shmita. We're going to keep the laws of yovel. Now, by the way, shmita we keep today also, but it's it's, it's rabbinic only. We're going to do it properly with the rice. We're going to keep the mitzvah of yovel, which we don't even have today. The whole mitzvah somewhere of Torah, like all the mitzvahs in the Torah. Okay, that's what Mashiach is going to do. Then says the Rambam a very sharp thing. He says, "Bechol misha ein amamin boy." Whoever does not believe in Mashiach, who does not await and expect his arrival, is not only denying and contradicting the prophecies of the prophets, like in Tanakh, he's going against the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. The point that Ramam is making is, there's not just something from the Nevim, which is bad enough, it's part of Torah, you can't deny what it says in the Nevim either, but it's more than that, he's denying and he's going against what it says in the Torah by Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, what the is trying to get at is as follows. On the surface, we know that Tanakh is full of Mashiach, right? Yeshayol, Malachi, there's so many parts of Tanakh that deal explicitly in the time of Mashiach, right? Yeshayol particularly. Or, uh, or certain parts which are, which are clear that's about Mashiach. For example, there's a prophecy in Yecheskel about the dimensions of the Beis HaMikdosh and the measurements of the Beis HaMikdosh. And we know it's not talking about the second Beis HaMikdosh, even though Yecheskel was before the second Beis HaMikdosh, because the second Beis HaMikdosh wasn't built like that. If you, if you look at the Pesukim, when you see how the Beis HaMikdosh was built, it wasn't built like that. So it's obviously talking about the third Beis HaMikdosh, right? Many, many places in Tanakh. The Rambam's point here is that Mashiach is in the Torah. Right? And mainly in this week's parasha, which I'm going to show you in a second. So first of all, the Rama says, let's have a look. Shaharei ha-Torah, second to last paragraph. Ha-Idah the Torah testifies by the coming of Mashiach. Because it says in, 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 uh, in Dvarim, it says, V'shav Hashem aleikecha ashuzcha. Hashem will return your, cap- your captured ones to Eretz Yisrael. V'rechamecha na-Persian. V'shav v'kibetzcha is going to gather all the people, right? And im yedan idacha v'kseh ha-shamayim. If someone, if the Yidna are gathered at the ends of the earth, or the ends of the heavens, right? As the expression goes. V'yaviyach ha-Hashem and Hashem is going to bring them all back. And I'll of kibbutz goliath. In other words, no matter where we are, scattered far and far and wide, which is this goliath, obviously, Hashem will bring us back and that will be the coming of Mashiach, right? And he says, V'eilu ha-dvarim and these things, which are explicit in the Torah, this, this includes all the things that were said about in, in, in more detail in the Nevi'im. And then the Rambam says the following, listen carefully. He says, not only is it in Dvarim where Hashem says he'll bring back the, cap, the captured ones, but even in the Parsha of Bilam, it is written about Mashiach, and there, Bilam prophesied about the two Mashiachs. Mashiach Horishan Shehud David, the first Mashiach, which is David HaMelech, Shehoshiach Es Yisrael who saved the Jewish people from their oppressors, right? You know the history. He didn't come into Eretz Yisrael. Yeshua conquers the land, but doesn't finish the job, and he didn't have Tzoros the whole time from the Plishtim, from the Philistines, Yerushalayim is not conquered, they had wars and wars and wars. Until Dovar Melech comes along, finishes the wars, rescues the people from all their oppressors, the Yidna are in full control, ready for the Beis HaMikdash, Shlomo HaMelech comes and builds the Beis HaMikdash, right? So that's the first Mashiach. Uba Mashiach, or Achrein, and the second Mashiach, 
which will come from David Amalek's children, who will save the Jewish people from the children of Esav. And that's what Bilam talks about. Says the Ramam, how does Bilam talk about it? So he goes back to the Psukim which we just learned. And he says like this. Vasham hu Oimer over there it says, and he goes to the first Pasuk. Erenu veloi ato, I see it, but not now. That's David, says the Ramah. Zed David. Ashurenu veloi korav, I behold it, but it's not near. Zemelech HaMashiach, that's Mashiach. Right, see that first Pasuk? Dividing the two. I see it, but not now. David HaMelech. I behold it, but it's not near. Melech HaMashiach. Goes to the next Pasuk. Dorach koichov mi Yaakov, a star will come out of Yaakov. Zed David, that's David HaMelech. The Kam Shevet be Yisrael, and a scepter will come out of the Jewish people. Zemelech Hamashiach. Again, the second one. Umachatz pasei Moyav. He will, he will. Whoever this is about, they will will cut off the sides of Moyav. Zed David. That's David Amelach, and he brings a pasuk to back it up. The Chaynu Oimer. It says by David Amelach, by Yaches Moyav. Mother Bechevel. The David Amelach smote Moyav. And then the second part of the pasuk, the karkar kolben he will control. He will dig into the entire children of Sheis. Melech Hamashiach. That's talking about Mashiach. Shenayim Aboyu. Moshlem Yamad Yam. The Mashiach will rule from one end of the world to the other. He'll be the complete king, not only of the Jewish people but of the entire world, and so on and so forth. And explains all the pasukim like that. So there was a, a quite a famous talk that the Rebbe once gave. The Lavish Rebbe once gave. And he asked a lot of questions on this, right? And this is, again, I'm bringing this up today because this is the parsha. So in other words, the way the Rambam and all of the Farshim basically explain these psukim, the last part of Bilam's prophecy, is that it's talking about the two Mashiachs, David HaMelech and Mashiach. And that's how they divide up the psukim, right? Okay. First part talks David HaMelech, second part of each passage is talking about Mashiach. So the numerous questions on this whole concept. First of all, the Rambam, it's known that when the Rambam wrote the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam wrote a book of Halacha. Right? Halacha. The Rambam is not Drush, he's not Medrash, he's not Kabbalah, he's not... He, he knew all the stuff, but he's not... That's not the Mishnah... He was very clear at the beginning of the Mishnah Torah that the purpose of the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam as we know today, the book of the Rambam, the main book, is book of Halacha. So therefore we need to assume that everything the Rambam brings down in the... In the Sefer Hayyad, as we call the Mishnah Torah, is relevant to Halacha. Right? So why is this relevant to Halacha? The Rambam just said before that if you don't believe, that's Halacha, if you don't believe in Mashiach, then you're going against not only the Nevi'im, you're going against Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah. Granted. How do we know this? He brings a proof. He says, this is, this is also, this is says in the Torah, Hashem will bring back all the captured ones. So we see Mashiach's in the Torah. Why does he have to go through this whole thing of, 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 of Bilam and, and, and prophecies of Bilam? Why is that, what relevance does that have Allah? And even if, by the way, even if the Ramam needs to quote Bilam, you could say the following, you could say like this. The first possible that Ramam brings is to tell you that, they will, that the redemption will come. Hashem says, I will return your, cap, your captured ones. But we don't know from that possible that he's talking specifically about a person called Mashiach who will redeem the Jewish people, right? So maybe that's why the Rambam has to go and he has to talk about the whole thing of Bilam because there it's talking about specifically about Mashiach. But he asks, he says, but that's not really a good answer because all the Rambam needed to say was, the Rambam was quite careful how he used his words, right? All the Rambam needed to do was, is to say that in the first passage it says that Hashem will return the captured ones and also in the book of Bilam it does say that 
he talks about the actual Mashiach. So we know it's not just returning, not just being redeemed, but it's also being redeemed through Mashiach, a descendant of the Adav Adav. Okay, fine. But why does Ram have to go through this whole thing? Dovi, Mashiach, Dovi, Mashiach, Dovi, Mashiach. Why do we need to know the explanation of all these Pesukim? What's the point of that? What's the idea behind that? The real difficulty with this is like this. If the Rambam is, is says, interprets the, the, the psukim of Bilam to mean two sets of salvation for the Jewish people, why David? Why David and Mashiach? Why not, for example, who? Who else do you think will be better? Moshe Rabbein. We know that the redemptions of Mitzrayim is connected to the redemption of Mashiach. It even says in the Medrash, Moshe, who goyel Rishon, who goyel Achrein, that the Neshama of Moshe Rabbein will be the Neshama of Mashiach. The Maral of Prague says that, that the, whole, the whole idea of redemption was born with the going out of Egypt, and therefore ultimately Mashiach will come, even though it will be much greater than the redemption through Mitzrayim, but it's still connected, in other words, it's still, it's still the result ultimately of the redemption through of, of coming out of Mitzrayim. So therefore, why, why, why not Moshe Rabbeinu? Why we, why we, yeah, it is poetic and we do see that Bilam is talking, in each Pasuk is talking about two different things because it's repetitive. So I see it now, I see it but not now, I behold it but not near. Two things. Uh, there'll be a star from Yaakov and a, and a scepter from Israel. Two things. He will damage Moab and he'll control the whole the sons of Shays. Two things. I get it. So there's always two things. Why not Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech? Why? Sorry, Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach. Why David HaMelech and Mashiach? Right? So this, these are the, the, the main questions. What's the halachics behind it? And why, why are we talking about Mashiach, and, uh, sorry, David and Mashiach as opposed to Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach? So he explains a beautiful idea, and this is a, a very important halacha, really, right, in a way. And it comes out to understand, ultimately, I mean, it is one of the 13 principles of our faith, right, to believe in Mashiach. What are we believing in, and why are we believing in it? What's the, what's the main goal of Mashiach? Right? So I didn't copy this, but you need to understand, in that two chapters where the Ramam talks about Mashiach, there are other things that the Ramam says. One of the things Ramam says is like this. Ramam is famous Ramam. He says, don't think, he says, right? Don't think that Mashiach is going to come, that Mashiach needs to perform miracles and he needs to bring people back to life, which will happen. Eventually it will be the concept of Tzchir but don't think Mashiach has to do that. And he brings a proof because we know that in the Gemara there was the story that Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues actually thought that Bar Kokhba was Mashiach, right? It didn't turn out to be Mashiach, but he, he thought Bar Kokhba was Mashiach because he was, he was ruling the Jewish people and he was a great tzaddik at that, that time and so on and so forth. And in order, even though they believed he was Mashiach, they didn't ask him to perform miracles to prove that he was Mashiach because Ramah says he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to perform miracles. What does Mashiach have to do, says Ramah, right? Mashiach has to do the following. He says he has, to, he has to be a ruler. He has to inspire the Jewish people to return to Hashem. 
right? He uses the, he has to, he says like this, he says he will be a, he has to be a tzaddik, a person obviously that's very well versed in Torah. He has to be a, people who's a, big, a person who's a big tzaddik. He has to be a person who's going to, uses the word force, but I guess it doesn't force doesn't necessarily mean force them, but it means like inspire them, transform them, re- make them return to the service of Hashem. Fight the wars of Hashem, be victorious. And then he is what we call Becheskas Mashiach. He's already a good sign of being Mashiach. And then if he continues that, he's able to take the Jewish people back, build the base of Migdosh, and bring the Yidden back to Eretz Yisrael, that's Mashiach. Even if, it didn't, even if it doesn't involve one miracle. Now it's interesting, by the way, there, is another, there are other writings of the Rambam, which is this, that there will be miracles when Mashiach comes, and there will be like the whole famous thing that there'll be the wolf flying with the lamb and all this kind of stuff which the Ramam here says it's only really an analogy, it's only a, a parable to, to the concept of peace. It doesn't actually mean literally to be miraculous events. So there's a whole, there's a body of literature which tries to explain the contradiction of the Rambam and what it means. Essentially, the Rambam is not saying that there can't be miracles. He's saying Mashiach does not have to make miracles. What has to, yes, happen is, he has to inspire the Jewish people to return to Hashem. He has to build the base of Migdash, bring the Eden back to Eretz Yisrael, and usher in an era of complete peace. That's all. So they won't be right. And then the Rambam says later, towards the very end, right? and he says like this, he says, why did the Chachamim, why throughout the ages are we yearning for Mashiach? He says we're yearning for Mashiach because that will be a time we'll be able to serve Hashem properly, we'll be able to learn and, and be involved in, and as, the last, as the very last halacha, the Rambam says, that what will people do when Mashiach comes, a whole day will be busy with learning about Hashem and understanding Hashem and learning Torah and serving Hashem. And he says, yes, it'll be a peace, it'll be a time that we don't have to worry. We don't, we don't have to worry about anything. There won't be competition, there won't be a conflict, there won't be poverty and so on and so forth. All true. But what we're going to do is the world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem like the ocean f- fills the ocean bed and that's Mashiach. In other words, what's the Ramam telling us? I'm saying like this. If you want to know the definition of Mashiach, there's going to be a lot of good things that happen when Mashiach comes. A lot of good things. A lot of miracles, maybe. Yes, miracles, no miracles, but that's not the point. It doesn't have to be miracles, that's for sure. Right? So what is the definition of Mashiach? The definition of Mashiach, according to the Rambam, is the ushering in of an era where serving Hashem will be complete. Which is how he starts off those two chapters of Mashiach. He says that Mashiach will come, we believe in Mashiach, what will happen? We'll return to serving Hashem Perfectly in absolute fullness, including Shemitah, Yovel, bringing Karbanis, and as he later explains, learning Torah at a very great level, and so on and so forth. Right? Now that's a halacha, by the way. That concept is a halacha, that idea. Right? Because believing in Mashiach is a halacha, it's one of the foundations of our faith, but you have to know what you're believing in. Right? Now, this is a very interesting thing, by the way, because actually what, what the Ramam is doing. It actually makes the belief in Mashiach harder, not easier. Right? Why? You know, ask <laughs> Yidin is like a, a famous little joke, right? That, uh, that, uh, the, 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 the little guy in the shtetl comes home from Shul one morning and he says to his wife, he's very scared. I heard in Shul, Mashiach's coming, Mashiach's coming. His wife says, don't worry, we survived all the pogroms, everything will survive Mashiach too. Right? Not knowing what it is. But, but Mashiach coming has always been a way, it's always been like a, a safety net, like we, 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 I mean, we know that, that there's been persecution, there's been sorrows, there's been sickness, there's been, right, Every, even now, we, you know, whenever there's something wrong that goes on, we say, we need Mashiach, right? 
which is true. We need Mashiach. And Mashiach will fix all those things. There won't be sickness, and there won't be trouble, and there won't be anti-Semitism. All true. But actually, that's not why we want Mashiach. Really, we have to try and want Mashiach, not so there should be suffering, which is also a good reason. We have to want Mashiach because then I'm going to be able to serve Hashem properly. That makes it harder, not easier. It's much easier for me to want Mashiach because I know everyone will be well. It's easy for me to want Mashiach for that. Especially look around, it's such a Meshuggah in the world. It's a crazy world. Of course you want Mashiach. But no, you have to want Mashiach, right? Because I'll be able to bring a karmic. I'll be able to serve Hashem properly. I'll be able to go to the base of Mikdash, right? That's, 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 that's much harder. Most people in Golis, I don't know if they're missing the Karbanas exactly, right? Now, Karbanas is a very high form of serving Hashem. Are we really missing it? Do we sit down to a Pesach Seder and say, I mean, we say the words, but are we really upset that we couldn't bring Karban Pesach? I don't know. We have to work on ourselves, right? <laughs> this is the idea, right? So, this is the concept. Now, how does Raman prove that? How does Raman say? He says, that's the Pshat. That's why it brings the whole Navua of Bilam. Because the first person to do that, in a lesser way than Mashiach will, is not Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, Moshe Rabbeinu started the journey. Right? The first person to bring the Jews to some level of perfection in Avodah Hashem, not saving the Jews. Yeah, saving the Jews, Moshe Rabbeinu outdoes everyone else. Right? Yeah, Moshe Rabbeinu took us out of Golas. I gave us a Torah. But the first person to bring the Jews and the world, really, to a peaceful state and serve Hashem properly was Dovid that's why, that's why it's called the Mashiach. What did he do? He finished the job of conquering Eretz Yisrael. He instilled fear in all the neighboring, neighboring nations. As soon as he passed away, Moshe Shalom Melech takes over. Moshe Shalom Melech was the ruler of the entire inhabited world of the time. There was complete peace. That's why it's called Shlom Melech, Shalom, right? And he built a base of Migdosh and you are not able to serve Hashem properly. And we know that the time of Shlom Melech, which time of Shlom Melech, by the way, was ushered in through David Melech, as we know. We call the base of Migdosh the Sukkas David. Right, because he laid all the plans and he read all the such. He, he himself couldn't build it because he was a man of war. But we talk about Shlomo Hamelach. It's really the it's the era that David Hamelach brought about. That era was an era we are told in many Svarim, which was a sneak preview of Mashiach. It was like similar to what Mashiach is going to look like, which is peace and the peace of mind to learn Torah and to serve Hashem. It wasn't perfection, which is why it didn't last, and of course. We still need Golas. But, so that's why the Ramam goes through the whole thing of, of Bilam and the, the Bilam and, Bal, uh, and, and, and the whole prophecy of Bilam. And he says, not just a proof that Mashiach exists. It's not just a proof that there's a concept of Mashiach. The reason that the Rambam brings all these psukim is to explain to you what you are believing in. What I'm telling you, Alpi Halacha, you have to believe in. You have to believe in Mashiach in the context of David Amalekh. Because when Bilam prophesied about Mashiach, he did so in the context of David Melech. Each pasuk was first half David Melech, second half Mashiach. Why? Because what that teaches us is the halachic definition and the essence of what Mashiach is. Not about miracles, not about miraculous events. It's about having a base of Mikdash, being in Eretz Yisrael, and serving Hashem properly. That's what Mashiach is. And that's why the Ramam goes to this whole theme, because he wants to teach us actually what we're supposed to believe in. And when we learn it in the context of this Pasha, Pasha's Balak, that's when we get to know ultimately what it's all about. Because it's Mashiach, and the con- that's why it doesn't mean Moshe Rabbeinu. It brings Dovah HaMelech specifically. Because that's exactly what Dovah HaMelech did. Dovah HaMelech fought the wars to do what? To usher in, a, uh, to, in order to get to what? What, it was, what was the purpose of the wars? To get to a place where we wouldn't have to worry about anyone else or anything else and be able to have a base of Mikdosh and serve Hashem. 
That's exactly what Mashiach is going to do in a much greater way. This, uh, this goes to a whole other level because you'll see in each part, like even the last one, like he, the Dovra Melech was able to fight Moyav, Mashiach will have an effect on the whole world. And we see like the uh, second passage where he says a star will come from Yaakov and a scepter from Yisrael. We know Yisrael is higher than Yaakov. In other words, in each passage we see that Mashiach will do exactly what Dovra Melech did, just on a deeper and a higher level. But the reason why it's together, because those are the, what the Ramam calls the two Mashiachs, David and, and Mashiach, because that's the essence in believing in Mashiach. The lesson for us, of course, is we have to work on that, that serving Hashem should become such a focus of our lives, that our lives should be so God-centered and we should, so, we should be so attached and passionate about Torah and mitzvahs that we should really want Mashiach, not only for the good parts, not, not only for the peace and then the lack of suffering and the health, which is all good things, but we really wish want Mashiach and believe in Mashiach because it'll be a time we can serve Hashem properly. All right, we'll stop there. Which time? At the time of Yom Kippur. Of Dovidamach? No, at the time of... Mashiach? Oh, Balak. There were lots of people, yeah. Because there must have been millions of Jews. Israel. Well, it was the Yidden going from the Midbar to... Yeah. to the, it was about 3 million Jews at that, at that stage. Right. At Balak and Bidon, about 3 million Jews, oh, roughly. Yeah. All right, thank you everyone for joining us today. Here on Zoom and uh... why is my volume not working? Eh? That's so weird. Oh no wonder. Hi. Yes. Yes, sure. Um, does it also have something to do with the fact that David's lineage? Sorry, who's, 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 who's talking to me? Oh, this is Shoshana speaking. Um, oh, ah, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, what was that? Does it also have to do with the fact that David's lineage comes out of darkness, whereas um, not so for Moshe? So does it... Yeah, because that's, all, yeah, that's all concept of Mashiach. The concept of Mashiach is being able to transform the entire world, not just the, not just the revelation, correct. And that's why Mashiach and David are that, are that connected, because Mashiach comes from David who came out of darkness. That is correct. Right. Yeah. Seems to tie with everything that you were saying. Very yep. interesting. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. All Great the best. Day. You too. All the best. Bye. Bye. I suppose, Rabbi, <coughs> I can see why there is a belief amongst a certain section about the Tchila de Gola looking at the land of Israel. <laughs> yes, that's a controversial thing, of course, but, but. Believe that the Tchila. Look, everyone believes that it, everyone believes that it's certainly a sign before Mashiach. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not that it's Had fussing to the technical gula, that's a... Uh, uh,